Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church of Aransas Pass. So glad you're with us this morning to celebrate uh, the Lord's Day and to dig into the Word of God together. Uh, we're going to go through Matthew chapter 21 here today in, in verse 23, verses 23 through 27. I'll have a little bit from uh, for you from Philippians chapter 4. Um, but let's, uh, let, let's go ahead and, and pray. Ask the Lord to help us uh, with this morning and then dig into the Word. <clears throat> Lord, we, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for being with us today. God, we just ask for your help, Lord, for you to bless us, Lord. Bless us in this moment, Lord. Bless us to be able to receive the word of God, Lord, to be able to receive the truth, to be able to see the truth, understand the truth. God, help me to deliver the truth, your truth, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew uh, chapter 21, starting in verse 23. And when he entered the temple... The chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And Jesus answered them, I will also ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Amazing stuff. Y'all, in this world... We face opposition. We have faced opposition. We will face opposition. But we face opposition from all sides, just like Jesus did. And just like he still does to this day, right? And here, in Matthew 21, in this section, we're witnessing an account of Jesus once again facing opposition by way of the chief priests and elders, the very people who should be fighting for the people and their salvation, they're the ones opposing Jesus. Very interesting, also very sad. But they're fighting against it. The very people that should be fighting for the people and their salvation are fighting against it. Now, when someone fights against God, and I hope you know this, but this, uh, uh, it's worth mentioning, when somebody fights against God, they're fighting a losing battle. Amen? They're fighting a losing battle, a battle they cannot win. They will never win. They won't, even get, they won't even get any room with God. They'll never win. But they fight their battle in vain if they fight against God without a chance for victory. And this is one of the beautiful things about God is that He arms us with the truth. And that truth is the truth. And that truth is... Though it's on the line every single moment of every single day and there are people who oppose it, that truth remains the truth. Because it's God's truth. And now the main points I want to drive home to you, among the main points, is, is that those who fight against God will never win. Those who fight against God will never win. And we should know this as Christians, but, but we forget and so it bears mentioning again, because we get tied up with the world, and we get tied up with the opposition that comes by way of the world, and sometimes 
we feed into it. Sometimes we're victims of it. Sometimes we get wrapped up in it, but we don't want to. The truth is that we do. We should take refuge in the mighty wings of Christ. But unfortunately for us, we find ourselves taking refuge instead in our feelings. We take refuge instead in our own strength. We should know, though, as Christians, moving forward from here today, that we need to take refuge in the Lord. Because He's the one that's strong. He's the one that we need. We don't have strength of our own that has any real eternal value. We need to be taken up into the mighty arms and the wings of Christ so that we would have His strength in order to endure the opposition that we face in the world. Now, when calamity and turmoil control you, You've taken your eyes off of Christ. And so I don't want calamity. I don't want struggle. I don't want strife. I don't want pain. I don't want grief. I don't want any of those things to control you. I want you to know that you have a real peace and a real comfort that is available for you in Christ if you would only believe. Because it's in Him, it's in Jesus that we find victory over the flesh. It's in Jesus Christ that we find victory over the world. But we've got trouble with this at times, no doubt. And now it's important to point out that the victory that we have in Christ is a victory that was won over sin and death. Now, we like to ascribe that to all sorts of other things that we have going on in life. Maybe we're having financial trouble, so we're like, oh, but we have victory in Jesus, so I'm going to have a financial victory here. The main victory that the Bible talks about us having in Christ is the victory that we needed over sin. We need sin to be atoned for and we need to be counted as righteous. The only way that that happens is if we believe in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross so that we are counted righteous because we believe in him. It's God's grace that does that. That's what we need. We need real forgiveness and real forgiveness is only available for those who believe in Jesus Christ. And so the real victory that we have, or that we take refuge in, is the victory that Christ won over sin. And that's the main thing that we should have in, at the bottom of our hearts each and every day, is that Christ has won the victory over sin. And so that our belief in Him wraps us up in that same victory. We have peace now because of this victory. And we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I want to read you something here. This is from Philippians chapter 4. And this is starting in verse 4. Because I want to to touch on the peace of God just for a moment. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus. And what does this mean? Now, does this mean that um, we have peace at all times, no matter what, that we, we never get scared, we're never anxious, we're never afraid, we never grieve, um, we're never sad, we're, we're never mad, we, we, we never hate anything? Is that what that means? Is it, does it mean that, 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 that Christians, because we believe in Jesus Christ, never experience those things anymore that we once had trouble with before coming to Christ? Well, no, it doesn't mean that. 
Having the peace that surpasses all understanding means that there is no knowledge or wisdom in this world that we have ever known that can describe the peace that we enjoy in Christ. That's what it means to have a peace that surpasses understanding. It surpasses all understanding. Everything that we've experienced that we know in our minds, that we've ever used our minds and hearts for, anything that we've ever taken in, uh, like information, wisdom, knowledge, theology, doctrine, anything, if you're studying science or math or whatever it is, there is no understanding that man has that's able to comprehend the peace that God gives us. That's what that means. It means that it surpasses all understanding. It doesn't mean that we don't get anxious. It doesn't mean that we don't get mad. It doesn't mean that we don't get sad. It doesn't mean that we don't grieve. So as a Christian... We will get anxious. We will get tied up in our feelings. We will get angry. We will grieve. We will experience sadness. But these are the emotions, the emotions that we usually experience that mess with our peace. So that's why I'm mentioning these different emotions because these are the things that get in the way of us and experiencing everything that God has for us in this life. But also, those emotions, though they get in our way and though we get wrapped up in them and though we focus on them rather than focusing on Christ, getting wrapped up in those emotions or experiencing those emotions firsthand, experiencing those emotions on a personal level firsthand, helps us to grow closer to Christ if we will lean on Him in those times. We still experience those things, but at the same time that these things are present in the flesh, the peace that you have with God will also be present at all times. And so we have to pull from that peace. We have to get alone with God. We have to get in the presence of the Lord, um, and, and the, the Lord's always, we're always in the presence of God as we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's, that's one of the things that we need to know as Christians is that we are always in the presence of God with the indwelling Holy Spirit, okay? You don't need to invite in the presence of God. You are in the presence of God because you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. But to be in the presence of God and to be right with God in His presence, we need to be able to pull from the peace that He gives us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because the indwelling Holy Spirit is present with us at all times, that means that peace is present with you at all times. It's just that we get caught up in the flesh, y'all. We get caught up in our feelings. We get caught up in our emotions. We get caught up in the, the mundane things that we do every day. And because we get caught up in those things, we tend to focus on those things and we tend to take our eyes off of Christ. What I'm here to ask you to do today is to keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your focus on God where it belongs. Experience those things, yes, but call on God for help when those things happen so that you can experience the peace that He's already freely given you that's available for you through the Spirit of God that dwells in you in Jesus Christ. Now, if we were not going to experience this anymore, like um, emotional stress, pain, anxiety, grief, any of these things that mess with our peace... If we weren't going to experience this anymore, then the Lord Jesus nor the Apostle Paul, they wouldn't have to tell us that it's present, uh, that, that it's present here with us. The fact that they have to tell us lets us know that they know we're going to be anxious. We, they know we're going to be stressed out. They know we're going to be mad. They know we're going to be angry. All those things, they know that these things happen. The Lord Jesus Christ knows this. Obviously, the Apostle knows it because uh, he experiences it himself firsthand, right? But they say it because we, it's what we need to know. They say it because, or the Lord Jesus says it first and foremost, He says it. Because He knows we deal with it, 
and because he knows we need help. And he wants us to know exactly what we need to do in order to be back with him and focusing on him, experiencing the peace and the comfort of God. Now, just having this information is a victory. It's a victory just having the information because we didn't have it before. But in Christ, we have it now. Now, what didn't we have before that we now have in Christ? A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that Jesus Christ had that was present in him as these chief priests and elders come and approach him, asking him questions and challenging his authority. Jesus is at peace with it. So much so that he's able to ask them a question in return that really puts their hearts on display before him. Again, Jesus tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us about the peace that we have available in Christ because they know we need that help. The peace that surpasses all understanding, because of the peace that surpasses all understanding, we can be assured that if we go to God with our struggles, that He's going to hear us, and not only will He hear us, but He will come to our aid. And let me tell you something. When we seek peace in people or when we seek for peace in people um, we're going to end up disappointed when we seek for those things which sustain us the love that we need so desperately the peace that we need so desperately the hope that we need so desperately the joy that we need so desperately in this life when we seek for those things in people then we're setting them up Right? We're, we're, we're setting them up. We're, we're, and we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed. We're setting them up as a disappointment to us and we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed in them. We don't need to seek for these things in people. We seek for these things in Christ. Because He's the only one who can give them to us. And He's the only one that has that power. It's not good enough to be heard when we struggle. It's not. If we are only heard and nothing happens after we voice our concern, then we're in the same place and now we're even frustrated because we got no help. Ain't nobody listening. But when we express those concerns to God, then help comes. He not only hears about our struggles. He not only hears about the struggle from us, from our lips, from our hearts, pleading with Him, but then He comes to our aid. This is what's different about Jesus Christ and the world. One of the things, only one of the things that's different about Him. That He actually comes to help. He comes to help every single person who calls upon His name for help. And that's a beautiful truth about Jesus. You see, it doesn't make sense to the world for us not to worry like the world does. For us not to worry like they do, for us not to grieve like they do, because the Bible says that we, we grieve, but we don't grieve as the world grieves, as those who have no hope. Because we do have a hope, we grieve differently. Because we do have a hope, we have a different kind of peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding, because we know Jesus. And because that peace is available in Him now, it doesn't make sense to the world for us not to worry like they do. It doesn't make sense that we can be at peace with our own death or the death of someone that we love in Christ because we have a peace through it all. And that doesn't make sense to them. We have a peace 
through it all. And that peace that Jesus gives us is the outworking of the gospel working in us. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we are saved by grace through faith, because we believe in Jesus Christ, because we are forgiven, now we have peace with God. And that's the most important thing. That this victory that we have, the victory that was won over sin, that we don't have the same punishment that we, that we, that we deserved, that now we are not punished but justified in the sight of Jesus Christ because of His righteousness, because we believe in Him, because He has grace over us, because, he un, because of no work of our own, we don't deserve the gift that He gives us, but He gives it anyway because of His love for us, because of the grace of God displayed over us, poured out from heaven over our entire being. Because of that, we have peace with God, and because we have peace with God, we can enjoy a peace in our lives that we need to sustain us every single moment. We have a peace that undergirds us, a peace underneath it all, a a peace through it all, that no matter what we struggle with in this life, we're always going to go to God, even if it takes us a little while, even if we put Him on the sideline, even if we say, uh, you know, when we get wrapped up in our feelings or we get wrapped up in the world, we're still always going to circle back to Christ because once you believe in Jesus Christ, true belief then you are really saved. And once you are saved, you are saved forever. And you're always His. Those who believe in Jesus Christ because of His grace, His irresistible grace, we are drawn close to God. We will always come back to Him. We will always circle back. And that is the beauty of the Christian belief. That is the beauty of the Christian faith. That we will always come back to God. And that we will enjoy peace with God. Because that's the first peace that we need. We need to be at peace with God. Because there's enmity between God and man. Because of our sin, we cannot be in His presence. Jesus Christ bridges that gap, brings us close. And now we are at peace with God. Because we're at peace with God eternally, because we're at peace with God in terms of salvation, then we can have peace in our lives. That's where the peace comes from, y'all. That's where the peace comes from. That's why it surpasses understanding, because we don't even understand why God would look down on us sinners and love us so much so that he would send Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that we would be forgiven if we believed in him. We don't understand that kind of love. In our finite minds, we can't. We can kind of try to, you know, we can try to throw our minds around it. We can try to understand it a little bit if we talk about our children and the way that we love them and they don't have to work for our love. We just love them. But still, the peace of God and the love of God that would save us, though we are sinners, is something that we'll never fully comprehend until we're with Him in glory. And I want you to cling to that, that you are going to be with Him in glory. You're going to be with Him in glory once and for all. Now, this peace, all to say that Jesus was able to stand there in the presence of the chief priests and elders and ask them a question. Again, verse 23, And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? 
And who gave you this authority? Now, what is he talking about these things? So he, he enters the temple and the chief priests um, and elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching. So this, the fact that he was teaching, that's one of those things. The fact that he drove out the money changers and he flipped over tables and, uh, 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 and, and all that and cleansed the temple. That's one of these things that he's talking about. Okay. So because he came in, because he, uh, he was upset and drove out the people in the temple. And also because now he's coming in on a different day, mind you, verse 23, and he came and entered the temple. This is on a different day again. He starts to teach. He's teaching in the temple, and this is when he's approached, and they say, by what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Now, they're challenging his authority. They're questioning his authority. How can you do these things? How can you stand there? How can you come in here on our turf, on our territory, with our temple, and start doing these things, teaching people, turning over tables, getting mad at everybody, telling, telling us that this is a den of thieves? Whose authority are you doing this on? This is what they're asking him. Okay, so Jesus, verse 24, answered them. I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus is going to test them with this question. You ever feel like you're getting tested by the Lord? I think I feel like that a lot. Whenever there's a challenge in front of me, I have a, I've got a test. Am I going to do this or that? Am I, is it, am I going to choose right or wrong here? And what is right and what is wrong here? That's something, uh, church, I'm, I'm encouraging you to go to the Lord when you're... When you feel like you're receiving a question from God about your life, when there's um, like a fork in the road and you can either go this way or that way, I want you to lean into the Lord, not onto your own understanding or into your own understanding. I want you to lean into Jesus, into his understanding, and receive the truth from God that you need to make the decision that you need to make in your life. Now, Jesus is asking them a question. I'll ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. So if they answer him correctly, then he'll let them know. Because if they answer him correctly, then that would reveal that their hearts know the truth about what God's doing at this time. So let's see, hear the question. Verse 25, the baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And this is an incredible question because Jesus loves John. And John the Baptist is the forerunner of Christ. He's the one who comes before him to prepare the way of the Lord. It says that he's the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way for the Lord. Right? And it's, we, we know that John is beloved by Jesus. We know that John leapt in the womb in, in, in the presence of Jesus Christ. Right? We know that these things happen. We know that their relationship is unshakable. And we know that they are tied together by a deeper bond than anything that we can have in this world with anybody outside of Christ. Because they are tied together by a heavenly bond. And that's what we want to enjoy with other believers. Through faith in Jesus Christ, because of His grace, we also enjoy a bond that is unshakable and unbreakable in Jesus Christ. Because we have the unity of the Holy Spirit in us. And we need to fight for that unity, y'all. Every time you want to dissent or want to challenge anybody or, you know, want to get off kilter with somebody, you know, want to say some bad things to another Christian or about another Christian to another Christian, you need to think again, y'all. Don't do it. 
Because this is disunity, and we know that God does not like disunity. He loves unity. It is actually our unity that shows the world that Jesus Christ is the Messiah sent from God. That's what he tells us in John 17. Now the baptism of John, verse 25, where did it come from, for heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, now, that with the fact that they're discussing it among themselves could mean a couple of things. It could mean that Jesus Christ knows their hearts and this, their heart and, and the message on their heart and what they were talking about was transmitted to Matthew so that he would write it down, right? Through the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew. Uh, also, they could have heard, the disciples could have overheard the chief priests and the elders speaking about this. And so they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? So they're willing to admit that they did not believe John. That they did not believe the baptism of John. That he was doing these things by way of God. That he was sent from God. He was a prophet out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. Right? And they didn't believe him. They didn't fight for him. They didn't stick up for him. They didn't go to his aid. They didn't invite him into the temple and say, you can teach here. They didn't say, what is this message that you have from God? Let us hear it because we want to hear from God too. This is not what they did. They didn't believe him. They discussed it among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? So then they know if they say, if it is from heaven that... They're going to concede that they didn't believe him, though they knew his message to be true. And what was his message? That the Lord Jesus Christ was coming. So verse 25, I'm sorry, verse 26. But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd. For they all hold that John was a prophet. So we also hear... Not only are they afraid of answering that he was from heaven because then they'll be accused of not believing in that message even though they know now that it was from heaven so they would have been wrong and their authority would be challenged, their authority would be in question, but they also fear the crowd. These are men that are driven by the crowd. Y'all, this is a lesson from Jesus Christ himself. Do not be driven by the crowd. Do not be driven by the mob. Do not let the crowd, the mob, or the world tell you who you're supposed to be. Let Jesus Christ do that. Let Jesus do that. We are afraid of the crowd. But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. They all hold. They didn't all hold that John was a prophet. Not everybody believed that John was right. But some of them would have, and they were afraid of that crowd. They were afraid of a crowd getting into a frenzy. Why? Because when, when crowds start doing something, other people tend to join in just to join into the crowd. And that's what we want to get away from. Don't join in to do something that you don't even know about. You know what I'm saying? It's like in politics, man. You know, we get, we get people on the right and people on the left, like, parroting, echoing, talking points that are coming out from those different political camps. Why do we do that? Why don't we find our own information? Why don't we do our own research? Why don't we get our own ideas? Right? That's what we need to do. Don't follow the crowd. Don't follow the mob unknowingly. Follow Jesus Christ. 
again. So they answered, verse 27, they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So they answered, we do not know. If they don't know, then how can they challenge his authority? How can they be a judge of this situation if they don't know? Jesus has led them into a trap and they have fallen for it. They got their foot stuck in it. Why did they get their foot stuck in it? Because they didn't have the answer. Because they were driven by the crowd on one side and on the other side, they didn't want to concede that John could be right or that Jesus could be right. They knew that John and Jesus were tied together. They didn't know how, didn't know what was going on. Why not? Because their eyes were darkened. They they had blinders on. And remember, I want you to know this. The blind cannot see. The blind cannot see. They're blind. And this is what the world is. They're stricken with blindness when it comes to the truth about God. And so this is our job is to enlighten the world with the light of Jesus Christ. To shine the light of Jesus Christ. And that that light that shines from us would be the eternal light of God. That would shed light on the truth about God for man. So that man would know God. And be reconciled to God. And because of God's grace be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Let us be the light of the world. Shining in the darkness. We do not know. They said. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. They didn't know. So he wasn't going to tell them. They wouldn't concede. They wouldn't humble themselves. Saying we do not know was not a humbling statement from them. It was a prideful statement. Sometimes we can be like, you know, uh, if I don't know the, the answer, uh, you know, I'm glad to tell you that I don't know. And I'll go and I'll go and find the information for you. You know, and this can be a, a, a humbling experience for us when somebody asks us a question that we don't know the answer to. And it's also an incredible experience for us because if we're really going to go find the answer, then we can gain knowledge and wisdom from that, right? But they're not doing this in that way. They're saying we don't know because they're strategically saying we don't know. And I want you to see that. They're strategizing here in front of the people and in front of Christ. But Jesus Christ does not fall for that strategy. He won't because he knows their hearts. We do not know... And he said to them, then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So they've professed their ignorance now. They've professed their ignorance. And now because they do not know, they cannot be a judge over this situation, nor can they be a judge over John. Because they're asking about John, okay. Or Jesus Christ is is asking them about John and He's asking them about John because he wants them to be aware of the fact that in their hearts they have a turmoil and they have something that's going on, a stirring that is separating them from God. And I want for you to know that Jesus Christ is calling you to himself so that you would not be separated from God forever. That Jesus Christ, although his authority is challenged here on earth, and although your authority will be challenged on earth as a Christian believer, 
Because you believe things about God, your authority and although your authority in Christ will be challenged here on earth, there is a victory that has been won over sin and death. And that victory has been won in Jesus Christ as he sacrificially paid that penalty, paid that price on the cross so that you would be free and forgiven because of your faith in him. Now, God's grace over us at all times in any situation should be a freeing grace. It should be that grace that lets us know that we have a peace that passes all understanding. It surpasses all knowledge. It surpasses all human wisdom. Anything that we could ever know in this life. We still won't understand the peace of God and how it's available for us. But we know it's there. We know it's there. Y'all, there are a lot of things that I don't understand in this life. There are a lot of things that I don't understand. I don't understand why people don't want to see the truth. I don't understand why people can get so wrapped up in their feelings that, that, that it hides them away from the truth. That it clouds their judgment. The one thing that I know about all that is that it's because of sin. It's because sin entered into this world when Adam and Eve made that ridiculous decision in the beginning to go ahead and take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they took from that tree and ate and disobeyed the command of God, the express and direct command of God not to eat from that tree, to eat from any other tree, any other tree, but just not this tree. And when that happened, sin entered into the world and there has been disease and death and decay ever since. And this decay has put a stranglehold onto our mind and our emotions. And therefore, we, we can't understand everything the way, the way that we need to understand it. We can't feel everything the way that we need to feel it. And we can't, uh, uh, all the, we can't know things the way that we need to know them. We can't see things the way that we need to see them. But there is freedom from that. And that freedom comes in Jesus Christ. I'm going to read something to you here from Genesis chapter 3. Verse 11, he said, Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Y'all, don't be blaming your problems on somebody else. Don't be blaming your decisions on somebody else. This is, this is, a, bad, this is a bad example from Adam. This is one of the incredible um, examples of description and prescription in the Scripture. So um, if I've never explained this to you, the, 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 the Scripture has basically description and prescription. So it describes things that happen, and also sometimes it prescribes things that should happen. In other words, there are thus says, thus says the Lord, or commands of God. Those are prescriptive. These are things that we should do. And then there are just descriptive things. God's telling us what happened. This that Adam does, this is definitely not prescriptive, right? This is descriptive. 
The man said, the woman that you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Don't be blaming. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. That is a true statement. Still her fault. The decisions that we make and the choices that we make in life are our fault because we have the decision to make. We have the choices to make. We have to internalize. We have to personalize the decisions that we make in life and know that it's by no fault of anyone else that we have ended up in the spot that we have ended up with in terms of our relationship with God. We all have decisions to make and with a mind that has been cleared out and transformed by God, those decisions get better and better and better and better. And we're able to contend with the flesh and we're able to say no to the world and we're able to resist the devil. We're able to do all these things more and more as we grow in Christ. But first we have to be in Christ in order to be able to experience that and enjoy that truth. Then the Lord said, the, uh, the Lord uh, God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I listen to this. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the fields. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first gospel message ever preached in the scripture to us. That God would provide a way back to himself. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Verse 15 says, and between your offspring and her offspring, he's saying this. Who's he saying this to? Again, verse 14, he says this to the serpent. I'm going to put enmity, verse 15 again, between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Who shall... The, the, the seed, right? The offspring, the offspring of the woman, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This offspring, this is Jesus Christ, the man, God, the, the, the God man in the flesh. This is who we know to be the Lord. This is the one who's going to bruise the head of the serpent. In other words, he's going to get the best of him. He's going to crush him under his feet. This is the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. We have victory over all sorts of things in life. But first and foremost, the greatest victory that we've won is the victory over the enemy because it is the victory over sin. It is the victory over that which separates us from God eternally. Sin. What happens to us when we sin? We deserve death. What did Jesus do? He died for us so that we wouldn't have to if we would just believe in him. This is the gospel. And this is what we need. This is the message of God for us. At any time, the authority of Jesus Christ is challenged. But because I'm gonna, let me tell you something. Anytime you're challenged about your faith in Jesus Christ, it's Jesus that's being challenged. We take it personally because it happens to us. These words are said to us, but they happen to Christ first. It's his authority that's being challenged. Just like the chief priests and the elders were challenging his authority here at the temple, asking him, why are you teaching? Why are you driving people out? Why are you flipping tables over? Who gave you the authority to do these things? Jesus says, listen, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about that authority if you can tell me this. 
John his baptism? From heaven or from man? Who's it from? And they're like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't, uh, ooh, 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 ooh. All right, come on, y'all. Let's, let's conference. Let's conference. Let's talk it out. All right. Hmm. Hmm. And then they start conferencing. They start conferencing. And then they realize, man, we're afraid of the crowd. We're afraid of what it means if we say it's from heaven. Hmm. Okay, we don't know. All right. Final answer. We don't know. Eh. Wrong. So he says, listen, then I'm not going to tell you about that authority. Because obviously... You don't want to know about that authority. What they were really concerned with was their own authority being challenged. They were concerned with their own authority being thwarted. They were concerned with their own power being taken away one disciple at a time. And this is what the world and the enemy fear. They fear fear that their disciples will dwindle. And that Christ's disciples will continue to gain steam and grow in number exponentially. But this is the power of God. That they can fight as much as they want to. The chief priests and the elders, the enemy. Because he's ultimately the one in charge of all this, right? The enemy. They can fight all they want. But Jesus is always going to win. Because the victory has already been won. It's been prescribed. Where was it prescribed? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Enmity. Y'all, this means that as we are offspring of God or um, children of faith, right? Uh, Because we believe in Jesus Christ, we are going to be, there's going to be enmity between us and the enemy. There's going to be a great chasm between us when we believe in Jesus Christ, between us and the enemy. And that great chasm needs to be there. We don't need to be flirting with the enemy, flirting with the world, flirting with challenging the authority of God by every decision that we make when we make the wrong decisions. We're challenging the authority of God. We don't need to be in that place. We need to be in a place where we know that the authority of God cannot be thwarted, that any fight that we ever mount or anyone ever mounts any battle they ever embark on against the Lord will never be won. It will be a fight that where people are fighting in vain. They're spinning their wheels. They're running in the mud. Quicksand has encompassed them all around and all they do is sink with every move. This is the fight against God. It's a losing battle. And when we're in Christ, we're part of that victory. And that fight has already been won. Oh, the truth of God is unbelievable. It's incredible. It's unfathomable. It surpasses all understanding. Y'all, I want you to have that peace this morning. I want you to be at peace with God, knowing that even though Jesus Christ's authority is going to be challenged every moment of every day in some part of the world, that that authority is the victorious authority. That he is victorious over everything. That he has already won this fight. He's already won this battle. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. I want peace for you. I want a, a peace that surpasses all understanding. I want a peace that's, 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 that's coursing through your veins. 
I want a peace down underneath it all in your heart that you would be able to experience and live life with. I want peace for you, church. Believe in Jesus Christ and have that peace. Enjoy that peace. Love that peace because you love Christ. If you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ before today, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would give him all that you are, that you would come to him. He's calling you. I pray that you would come all the way. Put your yes on the table and say, Lord, I need you. I don't have the answers, God. But you do. Place your faith in Jesus Christ today. And if you have believed in Jesus Christ and maybe you've walked away from God, I pray that you would rededicate your life to him. I pray that you would come to him all the way, that you would come all the way back, that you would rededicate your life and that you would set out times for yourself to enter into prayer with God, times for yourself to get alone with God, times for yourself to grow in God as you read the scripture of God. Come all the way back and rededicate. I want you also to enjoy the peace of God. I need this peace, y'all. We all do. We need it. Because God's being challenged, his authority is being challenged every moment of every day. And so we need that peace to know that he is right, he is the truth, he has all truth, he is love. We are able to love others because of his love for us and the fact that God is love, as First John 4 tells us. We need that. And I want that for you every moment of every day. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much, Lord, for invigorating us with your truth and your word, God. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the fact that there is enmity between Jesus Christ and the enemy. We thank you, God, that you have won the victory over sin. We thank you, God, that you have invited us into that victory through faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for your saving grace over all of us who have been saved We thank you, God, for the grace that you have over your general grace over all of mankind, Lord, that more would be able to come to you, even though now, in this moment, they deny you. God, we pray that all those who deny you would come to you, Lord, and would enjoy your forgiveness. God, thank you for your forgiveness. God, thank you for your love. Lord, I pray that every single person listening and all of their families, all of us, Lord, would experience your joy and your peace together. I pray that we would be unified and that we would love you with everything that we've got. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, church, we love you. We love you. We're looking forward to being back together again. God bless you. Enjoy your day. Go in peace.